0: Welcome to the MarTech
1: Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about an innovative style of conducting marketing research, eye tracking. Joining us is Mike Bartels, who is the Director of Marketing Research and User Experience at Tobii, which helps businesses, researchers, and other professionals gain quality insights into human behavior with world-leading eye tracking hardware, analysis software, and research consultancy services. Today, Mike is going to tell us about the current landscape of eye tracking technology as it applies to marketing. Okay, on with the show. Here's our interview with Mike Bartels, Director of Marketing Research and User Experience at Toby Pro. Mike, welcome to the MarTech Podcast.
2: Hi, Ben. Thanks for having me.
1: Great to have you on the show. I'm excited to learn a little bit about a technology used for marketing that at one point in my career was actually a practical joke on a close friend of mine. Just to start this off with a little story, I was working at eBay and the guy that was sitting next to me, uh, the cube next door over was assigned to start using eye tracking technology to understand conversion rates for eBay. And our VP was basically saying he was assigning him to a new role the day before he was about to get promoted to make him think that he was not getting promoted for a long while. As it turns out, that technology actually exists and it is possible and being used actively today. So catch us up in terms of what's going on with eye tracking. For some marketers, this feels like a little bit of a myth. And for some people that you work with, it's obviously part of their practice. Let's start off with a little background in terms of your experience, how you got into eye tracking, and tell us a little bit about Tubby Pro.
2: So eye tracking has been around for quite a while in one form or another, actually. A little over 100 years, people have been studying human visual behavior for different types of applications. When computers came around, this all became quite a bit easier and we are able to accurately record exactly where people are looking in real context and apply that to a number of different research topics. Toby Pro has been around for about 20 years now. We're the global leader in eye-tracking technology. We have systems, software, and services that allow companies and universities and other research organizations to precisely study what captures people's attention, what do they visually engage in, what kind of things do they miss and overlook. So as you might expect, there's just limitless applications of this technology in the world of research. Personally, I've been in eye tracking for about, geez, almost 15 years now. I got into it very much by accident. Like most people out there, i had never heard of eye tracking until I was doing my master's in psychology at San Diego State. And I stumbled into a lab that had this crazy looking contraption. And I was blown away by what it did and the types of data that you get out of it and and all the different applications.
1: Dare I say that it caught your eye?
2: It's absolutely caught my eye. Yes. Sorry, everybody. In addition to being an excellent research technology, it's the source of many great puns like the one that Ben just threw out there.
1: I don't know if I'd say it was great, Well, yeah, but it's going to stick in the podcast.
2: It was average for an eye tracking punt, but I'll allow it.
1: All right. (laughs) Thank you. So you were at San Diego State. You saw an eye tracking machine. It caught your attention. And how did you actually get into it professionally?
2: So while I was getting my master's, I started working at an eye tracking company part-time. And from a few hours a week here and there, coding data and digging into results, it slowly evolved into a career. And I moved over to Toby about six years ago.
1: So tell me a little bit about Toby. What's the company's area of expertise? It's broader than just marketing. And maybe, including talking to us about what Toby does, give us an idea of how the eye tracking technology landscape is segmented. It's not all marketing, there's some other applications. So talk to me about the entire industry and then Toby specifically.
2: Toby is comprised of three different business units that utilize eye tracking in different ways. Toby Dynavox uses eye tracking as an assistive technology for people with disabilities. For example, somebody with ALS that isn't able to operate a computer or engage with their surroundings, but they are able to move their eyes. We actually have systems that allow them to use their computer just by moving their eyes and thus reconnect with the world in ways that they never thought possible. So that's one area of application that's really amazing and inspiring. Toby Tech is the division of Toby that works with integrating eye tracking into consumer devices, computers, smartphones, virtual reality, cars. It's kind of the forward-looking, consumer faced side of Toby that's doing some really amazing things. I'm with the third division, Toby Pro. So Toby Pro is all about using eye-tracking as a way of answering research questions. There are a ton of different applications in marketing research and user experience, which I think is where we'll spend most of our time discussing. But beyond that, it's used in the top university labs all over the world. It's used in hospitals and medical research and government facilities. Pretty much anybody out there who's interested in understanding visual attention is using a Toby Pro system to get the most accurate data possible.
1: This is a little bit of a non sequitur, but... I'm actually a little surprised that there isn't another component of the business, which is basically for law enforcement, right? Understanding whether somebody's telling the truth or not. And maybe I'm making this up or maybe it's not as significant as it is, but when somebody looks like down to the left when they're talking, they're supposed to be lying to you or they're uncertain of themselves. And so I assume that there would be a component of eye tracking to basically measure what somebody's behavior is. Is that a technology that exists or is that part of the industry or am I just making it up?
2: Yeah, that's certainly part of the industry. It turns out it's more complex than knowing the direction somebody's looking will tell you whether or not they're lying. But there's a lot of amazing researchers out there using a combination of eye tracking and pupil dilation and biometrics to understand not just lie detection, but all sorts of duress and intoxication. There's really an unlimited list of behavioral conditions that can be looked at with eye tracking. Some of the other areas that are in the headlines these days, eye tracking is used quite a bit in concussion detection and sports and other types of training. You mentioned law enforcement. It is used quite a bit in developing training materials and evaluating performance. Again, there's too many applications for us to name in a podcast. It's pretty much everywhere these days.
1: Interesting. So it's a fascinating technology. It is absolutely cutting edge and has lots of applications. Let's hone in specifically on the marketing landscape. I know that you're the director of marketing research and user experience. Talk to me about some of the ways that marketers are using eye tracking technology and who are the types of companies that are actually benefiting from it?
2: So the types of studies that we run, we do a lot of research on the effectiveness of advertising. That's smartphone advertising, web advertising, TV commercials, advertising that you see out in the world. Obviously, the main way that we interface with ads is visually. It's not working if you don't see it. So having a technology that can record whether or not an ad is seen and how to get an ad in front of more eyeballs is very powerful for businesses. So advertising is one major area where eye tracking is incorporated. Another is shopper research and package design. You walk into the grocery store, you're instantly flooded with sights and sounds and images and all of these different products that are trying to stand out on the shelf and say, hey, buy me. Eye tracking is a nice way to be able to analyze what actually works in capturing attention. What are people focusing on and how do you get the elements of your brand that motivate people to buy it out front in a way that they're going to notice? So shopper research is another one. And the third, I would say, which is definitely on the way up, is user experience, specifically on mobile devices. People are on their phones more than ever before. They're doing more shopping on their phones more than ever before, more research. So really understanding how to visually optimize the devices themselves, the applications and the websites that people are using to make sure it's both a positive user experience and a good way to market and sell products. So those are the three areas where I spend most of my time and my research team does most of its work. But like I said, there are dozens of other spaces within marketing research alone where eye tracking is being employed.
1: So tell me a little bit about the type of companies that are using eye tracking technology and what is their rationale for using this technology for their research?
2: So there are a lot of different types of companies that are using eye tracking. So in the automotive industry, for example, Nissan uses Tobii eye tracking as a way of measuring driver performance and understanding the visual experience within the car. Companies like Coca-Cola and Unilever who are super interested in knowing what's the best way to stand out on the shelf, how is a change of package design going to impact visibility and therefore purchase intent. On the other side of the spectrum, you have companies like Google and Facebook that are using eye tracking as a way of better understanding the visual experience and consumer behavior more generally. So it's a lot of major brands that are invested in being able to understand and optimize where their customers are focusing their attention and how to create better experiences and also sell more products.
1: Yeah, these are high cap, big investment, large marketing budget companies that have the ability to do extensive detailed research that can use an innovative technology like eye tracking. It's not an early stage startup is running an eye tracking test to figure out if their mobile app is actually getting a number of impressions or not.
2: That's partially correct. We do actually work with a lot of smaller companies as well. One of the things that's been pretty amazing to watch over the 15 years that I've been in eye tracking What started as a very cumbersome and obtrusive and, most notably, expensive technology has gotten smaller, less obtrusive, and less expensive. Also, with the advent of cloud-based research, it's possible to do these types of studies with participants in the comfort of their own home, which cuts down on recruiting costs and incentive costs and makes this whole proposition pretty affordable for a company of any size. I mentioned many of the big marquee brands that we work with on some of the more comprehensive research projects, but we also have quite a few customers on the lower end of the spectrum in terms of revenue who are looking for some quick insights and are happy to see that the cost of eye tracking has come down so much over the last several years.
1: So I want to get into some of the studies and some of the findings you're seeing broadly, but before we do that, time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, MuteNex. Give me a sense of the model, and you don't have to give exact pricing figures, but for people that are interested in eye-tracking technology and applying that into their research, is this as simple as like a usertesting.com, a price per basically piece of data, or what's the model for using eye-tracking?
2: Our model is to provide a solution at every price point, more or less within reason, So we have some customers who are committed to taking this technology in-house, building a lab, getting 10 or 20 eye trackers hooked up, getting all of their people trained. And obviously, this is quite an expensive endeavor, and it is primarily some of these larger brands that are taking this approach. All the way on the other end of the spectrum, we have customers who just want to run a single research study. To Part of it is getting their feet wet with the new technology, and part of it is to address an individual research question that may be answered through eye tracking. So for this group, they're not purchasing the hardware or investing the resources into getting trained up. They're using Toby Pro's research team on sort of a one-off basis to run that study and answer that question. There's an enormous range in between these two examples of what companies do and how they integrate eye tracking into their work that goes from kind of the low dollar, single research study amount, all the way up to building a world-class eye tracking lab.
1: What I'm hearing is it's thousands to millions of dollars, depending on the level of depth of your research study.
2: Yeah, that's accurate.
1: Great. So one of the questions I have, you mentioned that there's a couple different types of studies, and I'm curious to know if you have any anecdotal feedback on themes you've seen across multiple studies the first one that comes to mind, you mentioned the effectiveness of advertising. In podcasting, when we're talking to sponsors, I try to highlight that there is a difference between a download and a listen, right? A download is your ad has been put on somebody's phone and can be played, and a listen is they actually heard it. The same sort of notion happens within the display advertising space. Facebook can be serving my ad, but it doesn't necessarily mean that somebody has seen it. Do you have a sense, having been involved in these studies, is there a percent of ads that are actually consumed visually as opposed to just served? Or do you have any anecdotal feedback about advertising in general?
2: That's a hot topic right now. And one of the big questions is there's sort of been this metric of viewability that's been used over a number of years to understand how often your ad is on a screen that someone can look at. And what eye tracking allows you to do is go one step further and look at visibility. Not only was it on the screen, but did their eyeballs actually fall on that advertisement? We've done quite a bit with television advertising in this space. and Some of our recent findings, something like 60% of the average commercial, the eyeballs are not on the screen. People are not visually engaged. They're doing other things, talking to their family members, looking at their phones. So you've got this huge difference between what we're thinking of as viewability of an ad and how much that ad actually gets seen. In the space of smartphones, this is an area that's certainly getting a lot of attention. And you're seeing it in the way that brands like Instagram, for example, integrate advertising into what they're doing. For anybody who's ever used Instagram, I'm sure you've had the experience of scrolling through your feed and suddenly you're studying an image and it takes you a few seconds to realize, oh, this is actually an advertisement. This is the kind of thing we're seeing quite a bit and we're seeing that it does have good traction in pulling people's attention in because not only do they notice that image, in most cases, what we see is they look down below to see who the poster is or what the brand is that succeeded in getting that in front of their eyes. So in the advertising space, to answer your question, yeah, we're able to pin down a lot more than just was it on screen or was it served, We're able to say whether or not it was seen. And one of the really nice things is we can dig into the details of the specific ads and start to ask questions about, well, what made that ad visible? What made that one stand out and hold attention? We ran a study a few months ago looking at about 3,000 television commercials over a sample of about 150 people. There were some really interesting findings related to what sorts of music are associated with pulling the eyeballs to the screen, what placement of the commercial within the ad break is associated with the highest attention. So we're able to kind of unpeel the onion of this advertising element and understand better what should the creators of ads be keeping in mind as they create these commercials or smartphone ads or whatever they are to make sure they're holding attention.
1: I'm going to guess that loud music is what gets people to look up at the screen and that the last ad before the break, because people are looking whether the show is going to start is likely to be the most trafficked, but that's just a shot in the dark.
2: Yeah. Let me correct your shot in the dark a little bit. Great. (laughs) So one of the things that's interesting is that one effective technique of getting people to look back at the screen during the commercial break is silence. So you have loud music on, you are giving the viewer a cue that their show has not yet returned to the screen. Silence is one of the ways to pull the eyes back to the screen. In terms of types of music that work well, we found that classical music pulls about 15% more attention in a commercial than the average ad. On the other end of the spectrum, commercial jingles, although they get stuck in your head and there's some value there from a branding perspective. As long as the viewer hears that that jingle is going, they know they don't have to look up onto the screen and see what's happening.
1: If I hear the Cars for Kid commercial one more time, <laughs> I think I might murder somebody, yeah. just for the record. The jingles are great until they've been running for 15 years in a row. I have a thought about in terms of advertising, and this goes into sort of the evaluation of a marketing campaign. When people are advertising on Facebook specifically, Facebook will take credit for a view through conversions depending on how you set up your campaigns. But I believe that the default is Facebook says, okay, we've driven this many conversions because we served an ad to somebody that converted. Well, Facebook serves ads to a huge portion of the universe, whether they actually pay attention to those ads. And I'm thinking specifically of the Facebook desktop where the ads are not core into the content like they are in Instagram. Facebook's saying, hey, we served an ad to everybody. Just because they had an ad on the screen does not mean that it was necessarily visible, but the population is so huge that they get to take credit for a huge number of conversions. So do you have any thoughts on evaluating the percentage of ads that are served to seen specifically on a desktop or through social media?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of what we're doing and a lot of what we're trying to unpack right now across a number of different contexts. The Facebook example is really nice, especially if you're on the desktop version of Facebook Those ads over there on the right rail, what we see in the data and what most people would probably intuit is that your eyes are focused squarely on the newsfeed and scrolling down the page and an ad over on the right rail isn't doing much for you. Except dropping a cookie. Yeah. So that's one space where we're doing a lot of work with customers to go beyond the old school characterizations of how well your ads are working. Another one is Nielsen ratings. It's really important for advertisers to know how many millions of people are watching a given show, but that doesn't really tell you much about how much they're watching your computer. And that's where eye tracking can come in and make that distinction. One of my favorite examples from work we've done in this area was with Major League Baseball at uh, Cleveland Indians ballpark a few years ago. So, you walk into a baseball stadium, you sit in your seats, you're surrounded by branding everywhere and marketing on the outfield walls. And there's a big truck out there beyond the walls to advertise Toyota or Ford or whoever it is. But people are mainly focused on the ball game. So, all of this advertising that companies are spending millions of dollars to put in that ballpark, very little of it is actually capturing attention. One of our findings from that study was 75% of all visual impressions, that means times that the eyes fell on a given brand, were the ones that were scattered around the scoreboard or shown on the scoreboard. Aside from that specific execution in the stadium of advertising, almost everything else just didn't get seen. And you wouldn't have any way of knowing that without a way to track exactly what people are looking at, which is what eye tracking does.
1: I'm assuming with the Cleveland Indians in their stadium, the years when they're more competitive, their ads are being consumed a little less because people's eyes are more focused on the product on the field. And when they're not so competitive, maybe the ads are being consumed a little more.
2: That's probably true. I've got some friends that are Indian fans, so I'll refrain from commenting more on that one.
1: Well, on that note, my big takeaway here is that understanding where people's eyes go and actually knowing the difference between image recognition Actually, seeing the ad and what is served, there's a pretty material departure in terms of what people see and what people are shown. And what I'm hearing is that marketing placements are not all created alike. You know, the specific example that you mentioned, where there's the native integrated ads like an Instagram where they're built into the feed, you're seeing a lot of content consumption or ad impressions being consumed there but the right rail of Facebook probably isn't as prominent. So I think eye tracking is absolutely fascinating. And Mike, let's continue the conversation again tomorrow and talk about what's the future of eye tracking.
2: That would be great. Okay.
1: That wraps up this episode of the MarTech podcast. Thanks to Mike Bartels, the Director of Marketing Research and User Experience at Toby Pro for joining us. In part two of our interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, Mike is going to talk to us about the future applications of eye tracking technology. And if you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to contact Mike, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can tweet to his company's handle, which is TobyPro, T-O-B-I-I-P-R-O, or you can visit his company's website, which is tobypro.com. A couple of links in our show notes that I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, don't worry about it. We've got you covered. Just head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. If you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, thanks for being a member of our community. We always want to hear from you, so we created benjshap.com slash question, where you can send us your topic suggestions or marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P, on LinkedIn and on Twitter. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to part two of our conversation with Mike Bartels, the director of marketing research and user experience at Toby Pro, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. And if you'd prefer to have our content delivered to your inbox, we have a new weekly newsletter with links to our audio players, episodes, summaries, and contact information for all of our guests. To subscribe, go to benjschapp.com slash newsletter. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy.